what is the difference between mindfulness and hypnotherapy? They both seem to involve closing your eyes and doing something with your mind. But beyond that, I'm not sure what the real difference is and which is a fit for me. So it's very true if you were to just walk past two people with their eyes closed and somebody said, well, this person is, is doing hypnotherapy and this other person is doing mindfulness. They're both sat there with their eyes closed. And you might say, all right, what's going on there? What's this about? What do either of those things mean? But even more interestingly, what's the difference between them? What are we, what are we talking about? So anytime you use a label like that for a form of therapy or meditative practice or personal development tool or anything along those lines, a really important thing to appreciate is that the words themselves are just labels. And as a consequence of that, you're going to find a lot of people doing a lot of different things under the same labels. So it's perfectly possible to go to several different practitioners of meditation and several different practitioners of hypnotherapy. And then you've got other words like uh, visualization and uh, various forms of imagination work. And, you know, people can literally be doing opposite things sometimes under the same labels. So, you know, I have the greatest of empathy for anybody who is trying to maybe get support and they know that they're looking for some help in this area, but they're not sure what tool to use because it can be pretty hard to know. And what you pretty much have to do if you're looking at this from the perspective of somebody who's just looking for support from a practitioner is you really just need to see what that practitioner's style of work is and maybe get in touch with them and see how they would help you with specific regard to why you're attending because it's not enough, I think, with the labels to assume that the approaches are standardized because many of these approaches, I mean, there's so many meditative approaches, even within mindfulness-based approaches, there are many styles of those, uh, many different schools and disciplines over the course of time and certainly true of hypnotherapy as well. So, Definitely, you know, I would think, what are you looking for? You know, don't even worry about the labels to begin with. Think, what are you looking for? What kind of support do you need? And then, by all means, use whatever keywords you can to find practitioners who may be suited to helping you as best you understand. And then either look at their materials online or contact them or do whatever you need to do and just see what the overlap is. That, that's probably the best and maybe the only way to be sure. So to compare, though, uh, mindfulness and hypnotherapy, some kind of average definitions of them and to consider that a bit, remember in all of this that the mind-body system is, is there. And we as human beings come along and we develop practices and we put labels on them and we teach them and we use them. And that's fine. We, we, it's good. We need to do that. But there's still just one thing going on, one mind-body system which operates in the context of the environment that it's in with a whole bunch of other constraints. So as different methods are developed, what they tend to do is emphasize particular aspects of that system that the teachers or the researchers or the practitioners, for whatever reason, find particularly interesting. And, you know, to be fair, there can be very good reason for that. They're usually not just randomly picking up something. They're taking something that is, you know, a genuine phenomena over the course of time, and they're placing an emphasis on that. Uh, but that doesn't at all mean that the methods are necessarily wrong. It, it can just be literally different emphases. And, you know, I always think the best example when considering different psychological methods 
is just looking at the examples of different, different physical methods. So we know that there are so many ways to get fit. And, you know, if you think about the different sports that exist, the different fitness exercises that exist, as long as they're within the basic rules of how physiology works and they're not trying to bend you too far in the wrong direction, within that, it's sort of just personal preference, really. And then you're going to find different forms of physiotherapy, say, that emphasize developing certain muscles and other methods that maybe emphasize loosening muscles or working on other muscles. So depending on who you are and what your needs are, you may be a fit for one method or one style or many practitioners really in practice blend various methods together and, and put together you know, programs or supports that you know are based on your particular needs. So. With that in mind then, one of the ways I like to think roughly of the difference between mindfulness meditation and hypnotherapy work, and again, there can be often a lot of overlap here and many practitioners like me, you know, will use a combination of methods. But if we think of mindfulness as kind of stepping back and seeing the wood for the trees, you know, to use that expression, just to be a bit more aware and conscious of what's going on, but a lot of the time we kind of took for granted. We got so habituated, so caught up in just the busyness, the doing of day-to-day -day life. So the mindfulness capacity to step back and just to notice that that's happening, to not necessarily remove thoughts, although sometimes that can happen with practice, but to just step back and to, to notice what's happening, where you are, the thoughts that are present, the feelings in your body, just, just experiencing that a bit more and creating that awareness. So mindfulness, we can think of something along those lines. Again, there are different methods with different emphases, but you know that, that, that's roughly seeing the wood for the trees. Hypnotherapy, again, that can be even broader. Many different methods and many different styles of therapy that are then conducted within hypnotherapy. But the use of hypnosis for therapeutic methods there has been debate over centuries as to how exactly to define it, ranging from some people questioning whether it's a thing at all to people saying it's absolutely a thing. Uh, in, in the literature, you see what's called the state and non-state uh, debate on this, whether it's a state of hypnosis or whether it's just a part of kind of everyday experience. And some of the earlier people involved in this, uh, Charcot, Freud, uh, James Braid was one of the people in the 1800s. He was a Scottish surgeon who popularized the term hypnosis. And there was another term at the time they were considering using, which was monoideism. So mono meaning one, and ideism meaning ideas or the focus on ideas. So basically singular focus. And what's interesting is hypnosis a lot of the time and hypnotherapy following it very often seeks to actually amplify in a way what mindfulness seeks to to step back from which is getting lost in thought and ideas so a lot of the time what will happen in hypnotherapy is that mindfulness is used as well however it's not just used because what a practitioner will often help a person do is maybe step back from patterns of thoughts that they're caught up in. So that's kind of the mindfulness element, stepping back, breathing, seeing the wood for the trees. But rather than just doing that, very often hypnotherapy approaches will then also use suggestion, guided imagery, and after having stepped back to see the wood for the trees, 
they'll then help you to go in and do some forestry <laughs> and to actually be a bit more interventionist, which traditionally mindfulness approaches don't tend to emphasize as much. Now, again, I'm sure there's plenty of exceptions and let me know in the comments as well about any particular schools or forms or methods that maybe do break that distinction and barrier down a bit. I'm only speaking in very general terms here. And of course, if you're working with an integrative practitioner, they will probably be doing a combination of things anyway, based on what your particular needs are. But that a lot of the time is one of the key distinctions. And one thing we can recognize is that the capacity to be immersed in something, to be absorbed in something, it's definitely something we're very good at as human beings. The, the classic example is you're watching TV. If there's a horror film on TV, you get caught up in that story uh, to such a degree that your body believes it, even though intellectually you might know it's a film. But while you're watching it, you forget that because you're absorbed in what's in front of you. You're kind of hypnotized by the experience of what's going on in front of you. And as a result uh, of that presence, you're immersed in the experience, you're present with it. That kind of becomes your reality. And you start to feel afraid of things that, again, you technically know aren't real, but they feel real as you're hypnotized by that experience to such a degree that your body comes in and your sympathetic nervous system activates. So you get that rush of adrenaline. If you're watching an action movie or a horror movie and you feel in danger, and it becomes then a real visceral experience. They become real emotions in that moment, which can sometimes get us caught up in the narrative even more. So that happens when you watch films. It also though happens when you read books. So it isn't just a visual thing because you know if you think about a book, it's black text and white paper. But it's amazing how compelling that can be, how you can get drawn into the story and sometimes even more so because your imagination and your own fears can be triggered and that can be brought in then. Uh, and of course, we can do that in day-to-day -day life as well. You know, So our day-to-day -day worries are a little bit like that. They're a form of media that we get immersed in as well. So there's kind of two things we can do with that. One is we can step back and go, okay, ad break during the film, close the book, stop thinking. Here I am. That, that stuff may continue or it may not, but you know, either way, I am not all of that. So giving yourself a bit of breathing room is definitely something useful. And that's roughly what the meditative approaches along the lines of mindfulness tend to emphasize, which usually hypnotherapy does some work on too to help you, you know, create a bit of space between thoughts that maybe aren't that effective. However, typically hypnotherapy approaches also emphasize, okay, what are some new thoughts you want to think? What are some new belief systems? Let's design them. Let's map them out and clarify them a bit more. Let's visualize them. But the important bit, that, that's kind of guided imagery so far, but the important bit is let's get immersed in them. So in a way, we want to not be mindful sometimes when doing hypnotherapy. We want to get caught up in the story, but it still kind of is mindfulness because you're choosing the story. That's the difference. You know, you're choosing the film, you're choosing the book, you're choosing the thoughts. So you're practicing developing it. And the rationale behind that is, well, look, we can see how, how capable we are at being caught up in thoughts and ideas and feelings. So rather than just fight that, why not use that to our advantage? And why not choose some of those thoughts and really engage in it? Now, the thing is, in practice, mindfulness often does that anyway, because 
mindfulness often uses various forms of guided meditation or even imagery to help kind of develop a form of mental muscle tone and stepping back, which is, you could say, a series of thoughts that we're practicing anyway, which in some ways is a little bit like hypnotherapy. So it's probably more just a question of emphasis. They, they both have elements of stepping back and they both have some element of being at least intentional. In other words, playing a leadership role with your attention in any given moment and what you're doing with it. But for the most part, if you walked into a mindfulness practitioner, you wouldn't expect them to use a lot of imagery and to stir up the mind and to remember the past as much and to think about the future and to maybe form associations to other events and to get into it in that level of, of, of depth. Typically, what they'd be wanting to do a bit more is use whatever tools they need to, and it's not a problem or whatever's coming up in the mind, but emphasize more of the stepping back and giving it breathing space. So fascinating area. It really, really is. And what we can really see are just different schools of thought, different methods of inquiry or introspection that have really developed in maybe different regions, different historic contexts. And my argument would be really in an ideal world, these things aren't thought or even labeled necessarily that differently. We still need labels, of course, just to communicate what we're doing. And we still will want to take one approach rather than another in a given moment. But the way I like to think of it is, it's a bit like if you're a filmmaker and you go to cinematography school. And imagine if there's one class that teaches you how to zoom in, and another class that teaches you how to zoom out. Okay, they are different things. They, they, they are the kind of things you're going to want to do one in some circumstances and the other in the other. But really, it's all part of attention. It's all part of zooming. And we kind of need to know how to do both. Even if we don't use one and we use the other more or we use one less than the other, still knowing the other is important because they're kind of two sides of the same coin in many sense. And they're just different ways of practically using the capacities we have as human beings, which are pretty interesting. And no doubt, give it a few more weeks, months, years, and decades, we'll know even more in this area. Not that we don't have a great head start already in terms of so much wisdom up until this point, but I think we're getting a bit better with our language even just around it. So we're starting to take these seemingly complicated and sometimes even competitive approaches and kind of break them down and just learn a bit more about human experience in a way that's hopefully a bit more accessible to everybody. If you found this valuable, do like, subscribe, and share. And what's your experience? Do you have any questions or topic suggestions? You can contribute in the comments, on social media using hashtag BodyMindSelf, or on JFL.com.